Welcome to the Fundraising Talent Podcast. I'm Kyla Daw, and I'm glad you decided to join us on today's episode of the show that is shaping how the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent. Rather than advice from experts, our listeners want to hear the insights and ideas from those who, just like them, are on the front lines every day, building meaningful relationships that translate into meaningful support for causes that they and their donors care about. Every week, we invite our guests to have a real conversation about what it means to be a fundraising professional. We're after a greater understanding of what it means to be one of the sector's critically important yet least understood roles, while giving honest answers to our profession's most difficult questions. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Fundraising Talent Podcast. Here's your host, author, fundraiser, and master trainer, Jason Lewis. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Jason Lewis, and I am your host for the Fundraising Talent Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today for the show that's shaping the way that the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent. Before I introduce today's guest, I do want to thank our sponsor, QBAC. There's a big difference between a solution that measures a fundraiser's performance and a solution that helps fundraisers perform. QBAC helps fundraisers to excel at their most critical task, developing deep, personal relationships with donors and cultivating them into lifelong partners. Give your fundraisers a better qualified portfolio, one that considers more than just capacity and simple scoring. Your fundraisers will also get insight into their hearts, minds, and connections of their prospects. Fundraisers have a tough job. Help them close bigger gifts in less time by going to www.qback.com to schedule a free demo. Also, how about being our next host for the Responsive Fundraising Roadshow? Our team at Responsive is looking forward to getting back on the road in 2022. If your organization would like to be a host location, let's schedule a time to chat. The Responsive Fundraising Roadshow provides six hours of the best fundraising training out there based on Responsive's four sense-making tools. Hosting Responsive's Roadshow is not like hosting a major conference that requires months of planning and all types of resources. All you need to do is provide us with a safe learning environment for 25 to 40 adult professionals in your community who want to understand how highly effective fundraising really works. There's no cost to your organization, and we will reimburse you for all related expenses. If your organization would like to host the Responsive Fundraising Roadshow, reach out to me today. Before I introduce today's guest, let me say that we're having important conversations here on the Fundraising Talent Podcast with individuals whose voices matter in the fundraising space and the nonprofit sector in general. Sometimes our opinions clash and sometimes they align. What's important is that we're having the conversation. If you have an opinion, whether I agree with you or not, let's hear it, let's elevate it, and let's wrestle with it. I want you to influence my thinking on these things. And more importantly, I want your ideas and opinions to influence the thousands of listeners who are downloading our podcast every month. If you want to be a guest on the Fundraising Talent Podcast, reach out and let's make sure you're included in an upcoming lineup. Hi, Megan. I am delighted to have you on the Fundraising Talent Podcast today. Uh, you have been my guest before. Uh, you and I were just talking before we hit the record button. Before we hit the record button, that you and I met in 2019, two approximately two years ago in Milwaukee, and here you are back. And there's been a big, there's been like this pandemic in between those two <laughs> broadcasts. Yeah. So uh, I don't think. Uh, a lot of our listeners probably don't remember my conversation with Megan. So, Megan, why don't you reintroduce yourself? Thanks, Jason. Thank you for having me. My name is Megan. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm the Senior Donor Relations Director at the Salvation Army here. 
So Megan, I haven't had the opportunity before we dive into our, our, what is our conversation today? I haven't had an opportunity to sort of talk to too many people. I've probably talked to a handful of folks from the Salvation Army, but what has the pandemic sort of been like for the Salvation Army community? What, what's that, what's sort of the story that is told in, in your, your community? That's a really great question. It has been a very busy time in terms of the clients we serve and obviously how the Salvation Army then, what is our role there in that community and how are we meeting the need? Um, We were just at a uh, conference of folks that work in Wisconsin, Upper Michigan, which is the territory that I'm part of. And um, we were talking about how this, how our role meeting the immediate needs, um, we're, we're very much a hands and feet of Christ um, type of program service models. We're meeting people who, we're meeting these people who are homeless, who are facing eviction, who have faced hunger needs, um, really those basic needs. And, and so as we're at the conference, we were saying how the Salvation Army's role during the pandemic is a lot like the role that we had during World War II. It's, we called it Donut Day. That's when the Salvation Army kind of became worldwide known. We served donuts and brought a yeah. slice of home to Americans uh, who were fighting in the war. Um, and we just, we did it quietly and we were just kind of everywhere. And so it made a difference in the lives of those people. And eventually it, it kind of had a ripple effect in terms of their philanthropic views on the Army and you know how they supported us as uh, lifelong supporters because we supported them in their moment of need. And, and so we're seeing now as we helped people who were directly affected by COVID, which um, it seems like that's a, um, it's been a point in time need, you know, someone yeah. had lost their job, um, but would get that back or, you know, someone needed assistance, but would have eventually, you know, within the, the year to two years, you know, be economically more stable. And so we're, we're seeing us meeting that need. And then, um, you know, gaining friends um, perpetually because we were there when the crisis point hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that that you were quietly everywhere. That's um, I don't think that's in the. I don't know that that's officially in the Salvation Army branding, but that is definitely true <laughs> to who the Salvation Army. Uh, my understanding of who the Salvation Army has always tried to be. Um, so, uh, Megan, your team is growing or needs to grow. And so you and I were talking earlier this week and you said, Hey, I've got to get the word out on some opportunities that I have. And so you and I said, Hey, let's experiment. Let's see if we can create you some additional buzz on the podcast. So, uh, tell us what's up. And then I've got some questions for you. We're going to sort of flip the script as if I'm interviewing for the, um, as if I'm interviewing you as my boss, um, so, uh, we're going to actually flip the script on you, but tell us about the opportunity. What, what opportunities are you hiring for here before we uh, dive into the, uh, to the interview portion of this conversation? Yeah, our team is growing. Uh, we are hiring for a position in Dane County. So if you're at all familiar with Wisconsin, that's the greater Madison area, our capital area. Um, So this position would be working uh, directly with major donors and it would also have a role in the capital campaign that we're having um, its beginning and it's focused on our shelter for the homeless in Madison. Okay, so interviews aren't always fun, but... uh... But the the trick to them, I think, is oftentimes to get an equal sort of share of uh, questions going back and forth. So we're going to kind of we're going to actually interview you. So if I was coming to work for you to apply for this job, um, what do you think about that? Can I ask you a handful of questions? Is that okay? Go for it. 
Okay. So the first the first question I'm interested in, Megan, is why did you decide to go to work for the Salvation Army? Yes. Uh, the Salvation Army, I think, fits with my personal values as a Christian, as, again, this hands and feet of Christ, you know, just quietly doing the good work. Um, secondly, though, the Salvation Army really rose in my own personal uh, profile because I was working for another nonprofit, and every time I interviewed a client served at that nonprofit, it was a running theme that they couldn't have been where they were without their social worker at the Salvation Army. And I said, wait a minute, I need to know more because apparently this organization is making a huge difference in the lives of people that I'm working with at my other organization. So that's, uh, I knew they did good work because I just kept hearing it from everyone. And I said, I have to be part of that. Yeah, you know, Megan, I had a I had a family member that ended up uh I guess we'll we'll call we'll call them temporary homeless. Um and you you certainly understand what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh and she ended up at the Salvation Army in a community uh in the south and um and I was I have always been grateful for the care that they provided that loved one of ours. So uh Yeah. That's uh it's certainly a story that I'm sure I'm sure there's a handful, if not many, many people uh, who've sat in my seat uh, who appreciate the care that has been given to a loved one um, in a shelter, a Salvation Army shelter. The, the, perhaps the next question I would ask, um, and you know, I heard uh, uh, to, to sort of I, I heard this, I heard this. Um, well, you'll, you'll tell me this, this mission, the do the most good. Um, I heard somebody expound on that uh, terribly eloquently a number of years ago, and it really sort of just sunk in for me. Um, but can you elaborate a little more on what that means to do the most good? Yes. I cannot promise that it will be as eloquent, though, as the person that you spoke with. It was so, I'm telling you, Megan, this guy, it was a gentleman. He was, he was a longtime salvationist and he just, oh, it was, it was actually, it was, I think it was a piece of poetry. Huh. Um, Does that sound familiar? It was, I I think it was, I mean, it was just this long piece of poetry and it was probably written by somebody in the salvation community or something. I don't know, but that's okay. So you elaborate on do the most good. All right. Um, I mean, mission statement wise, you know, we're really, uh, you know, preaching the gospel of Christ and meeting human needs in, you know, Christ's name without discrimination. So what does that really mean, though? It means that we are basically uh, wherever and, you know, there is a need and we meet that need however possible. Whether yeah. that is during the holidays, which is I think what the Salvation Army is known for, you know, you see all those red kettles out there, and you're like, what are they? What are they doing? You know, where's my dollar going, or where's my twenty five cents going? Um, you know, during the holidays, we're providing toys for children. We are providing winter gear for families who don't have that. We're pro- we're providing, um, you know, rent to keep families in their homes. But it, you know, it kind of goes beyond that. You know. All year long, we're we're feeding families. We're supporting the LGBTQ community, um, as you know, that's a, a difficult spot to be in shelter. You know, how can you be um, comfortable and safe? And so we focus on that. Um, food pantries are huge. Uh, life skills, of course, rehabilitation centers are important. So there's a lot of facets to what is do the most good. Um, and I think the best way I can say it is just trying in in an immediate need sense trying to meet that need whenever wherever and however we can yeah you did that very well thank you 
<laughs> I'll find that. I'll find that piece of poetry that this yes, gentleman read. Please. We were me- it, it's, it was at, it was at a it was at a we were meeting with a gentleman. It was somewhere in I want to say it was in Kentucky or something, but um it's a it's a um it was a good piece. I'll share it with you. I'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes or something. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so Megan, if I come to work for you, here's a question I like to ask. Um because I've worked for bosses who I could not read. I didn't know at times. I'm that type of guy. So I'm that employee who, who is routinely coming into your office trying to figure out if you and I are on the same page and if I'm meeting your expectations. Um, and I, I remember one boss told me, you know, stop lingering at my door trying to figure out if you're okay. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, right? Um, and and I bet I bet there's some others who might uh, be interested. How are they going to know, Megan, that they're meeting your expectations? Are they going to have to linger at your door to find out that they're that they're going in the right direction, or how are they going to know that? Yeah, not that lingering is a bad thing, but I hope I make it clearer than that. Um, mm-hmm. I think expectations in the fundraising world um, sometimes they're clear because it's based on a dollar amount, right? We we have a goal. Yeah. That set. So, you know, we have a dollar amount, um, you know, someone in this position we would think would raise somewhere between um, $750,000 to $100,000 annually with their portfolio. Um, so that's kind of one metric of success, right? But that's not the do all end all because our work is relationship based. Sure. Um, so, other ways that I would determine, like, are you meeting my expectations? Is are you communicating with me? Um, and also, the most important part, are you actively communicating with the donors on your portfolio? So I'm not a yeah. micromanager, but I want, you know, I want to know that you're reaching out about opportunities. You're, um, you're, you're paying attention to what donors are up to, you know, you're, you're donor centric. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got those Google alerts going and are you, you know, reaching out once you've seen, you know, someone has done something in the community. So I think really open communication combined with um, meeting the financial goals, which are important, not the do all end all. And also I'd like to just share that they are realistic because I know we've all been in a spot where those financial goals that we might have to fundraise for aren't based in reality. And those are collaborative goals that we set that are based on what, what donors have done. That, that's an interesting question to sort of uh, follow up on that. So, and we talked a little bit about how COVID you and I met before COVID and COVID has been the reality for the last, last two years. So how has COVID sort of affected your donor community? I mean, have they been responsive? Have they engaged with you? You uh, Perhaps you probably couldn't take them out to lunch, but were they right. picking up the phone? Um, what, how did that work for them? Yeah, our donors stayed extremely engaged with the Salvation Army, I think because we were meeting a need that arose through COVID um, while we weren't directly um we were like that second line of response. You know, we're not the medical professionals that were heroically, you know, like helping on those front lines, but we were supporting families that were economically affected, but we were also supporting the medical staff who are out there bringing them lunch, trying to show love and care to the frontline workers. Um, and so we shared that with donors. Um, we picked up the phone. I- I'd also like to say that before even sharing what we did, um, my team, and I won't take credit for it, I wasn't you know, the boss at the time, but, uh, my team just, we called everyone on our portfolio and we asked, how are you as a person going through something that we haven't been through 
you know, in our lifetime. How are you? How are you dealing with that? Uh, a lot of our um, donors are retirees, um, you know, older. I would say that's the primary age range of folks that we're yeah. working with. And so sure. isolation is is a thing that really happened to everyone, but particularly to that age bracket. And so we wanted to be there in a in a Christian spirit with them. Are you a fundraiser yourself? Make sure I understand that. Am I coming to work for somebody who doesn't know anything about fundraising? Or are you, I mean, do you know how to knock on people's door? And do you know how to sit down and ask them for money? Right. Good question. I am a <laughs> fundraiser. I have been. I spent two years in, not in this market, but in this role. And mm -hmm. uh, so now I um, manage a team that this position would be part of while also having a smaller portfolio of my own. All right. So just tell me about the organizational culture. Just tell me about sort of what it means to come to work. Um, I mean, is this, am I, am I showing up at the office every morning? Uh, you know, major gift work doesn't get done at the office. Major gift work means you're out in the field. So tell me what the sort of the organizational rhythm, the culture is, um, you know, when are we going to see each other and when are we not? Yeah. Um, I think from, um, not to harp too much on COVID, but it really focused us on how to be community wherever you are. Um, and mm -hmm. that's as a staff too. Uh, so something that our organization has done is we have meeting days. So it's two days a week that we dedicate internally to what we need to yeah. do. And then the rest of the time, you know, we should be in the field doing what we yeah. can do or, or as even the effects of COVID linger, whether it's physically in the field or on the phone or maybe virtual, you know, some of those different things. But, um, so I think that's a, a good, a good way to still be connected as staff, but, but not be overly burdened yeah. by, you know, those internal meetings that you can never get out. Cause that happens. Well, Megan, you passed my test. If I needed a job in Milwaukee, I'd, uh, or no Madison, I'm sorry, Madison. If I needed a job in Madison, I'd come work for you. Uh, you passed my test, but my wife's not moving to, um, my wife and my four children aren't going anywhere. So. Well, you've got a great gig yourself here. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like a great gig too. Uh, so, Megan, um, before we let you go, are you excited? Are you excited about hiring this role? Extremely excited. Uh, yeah, I got my first break um, focusing on major gifts at the Salvation Army, and yeah, it's an organization that really appreciates the person. Sometimes you're organizations and you know i'm not naming names but sometimes it's like oh why don't you go shake mr so-and-so money tree and he can help yeah. us out and that's yeah. not the culture here and so it's it's really awesome to work for somewhere that um values and you know treats with humanity and and you know respect and and deference um yeah to the donors. Yeah. are you okay if they're more experienced than you because you're relative i mean you're you're a younger individual i mean what if right. what if what if somebody's got 10 years on you are you okay with that I'm okay with that. I hope they would be okay. I think that um, <laughs> I think that they that I have a lot to learn, and I would yeah. be happy to uh, gain wisdom from whatever age bracket. Um, and if the person was younger than me, there's still wisdom to share there too. I'm not going to pretend like I know everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, Megan, uh, we're not going to we're going to have to hold you much longer. But this has been a, a quick, brief conversation about this opportunity, and I'm happy to uh, create help you create some buzz on this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get this up and um, and see if we can. We'll also get it up on social media as well. Megan, if somebody is interested, we'll put the information in the show notes. But if they're interested in just re reaching out directly to you, they want to start a conversation. Usually, that's usually how things happen. They don't reach out to me. Um, how would you suggest that they do that? 
Yes. Uh, LinkedIn, you can connect with me, Megan Warland. But I can also uh, leave my email in the show notes and that way yes. you can reach out too. We'll do that, Megan. Megan, you're always welcome back. It's certainly been a pleasure to become your friend. I certainly look forward to the opportunity to be back in the room with you. It's been a couple of years. So as soon as we're back in the same, as soon as proximity allows it, we will make sure to have a cup of coffee. You're always welcome back, Megan. Thanks, Jason. Have you read the book that nonprofit leaders and fundraising professionals alike are calling a must read? In this pocket manifesto for today's fundraising professional, Jason deconstructs why many of us find ourselves working for organizations where we cannot accomplish our goals. These same organizations are notorious for rapid turnover and high donor attrition. To avoid this all too familiar path, Jason offers direction from those who want to be recognized and admired for their work. The war for fundraising talent challenges our ingrained beliefs and assumptions about how effective fundraising really works, and it questions the prevailing wisdom hiring decisions and donor behavior. Published by Gatekeepers Press, The War for Fundraising Talent is now available on Amazon and other major retailers. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Fundraising Talent Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show and hope you will come back for next week's interview, where we will discuss with those on the front line who are defining what it means to be a fundraising professional. If you'd like to be a guest on the Fundraising Talent Podcast, visit our Facebook page or email Jason at jason at lewisfundraising.com. In your email, be sure to tell us about where you work and why you believe you would be a great addition to the upcoming lineup. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to you being a part of the continuing conversation as we shape how the nonprofit sector thinks about fundraising talent.